And Thomas responded, my Lord, my God, my Lord, my God. You know, for Thomas, it was seen as believing. He had to see. But when he believed, he not only confessed Jesus as Lord, he confessed Jesus as God. This is a great proof text in the Bible concerning Jesus and his deity. He confessed him not only as his Lord, but also as God. At that moment, his spiritual eyes were opened and he saw Jesus. For them, seeing was believing, but for us today, believing is seeing. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, today we're going to see the breath, call, and testimony of Jesus in verses 19 through 31. We find in verses 19 through 23, the breath of Jesus We'll see its impact upon the disciples' lives. In the call of Jesus, verses 24 through 29, we'll find that in matters of faith, sometimes believing is seeing. And in the testimony of Jesus, verses 30 and 31, we will discover that this gospel has been given to us and the signs that John related to us in his gospel that we might believe in Jesus and find life in his name. But we also find the call of Jesus, verses 24 through 29. I'll read the context. But Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came and the doors being shut and stood in their midst and said to them, peace to you. And Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Poor doubting Thomas. We know him best as that title, Doubting Thomas. He's known as Didymus. It means simply the twin. So we have to assume that he either had a a twin brother or a twin sister out there some 
where, but we know nothing more of that. But it was on that resurrection Sunday, Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene first, then the other women to Peter at some point, and the two on the road to Emmaus before he appeared to the other disciples behind the locked doors that we just read about in verses 19 through 23. But Thomas, we discover, wasn't with them. Therefore, he missed seeing Jesus on the first day of the week. We don't know where Thomas was. Scripture is silent as far as that is concerned. Maybe he was in hiding. Do you know the Bible tells us that they all were uh, watching Christ die upon the cross from afar, some closer to the Lord than others, but they all saw the Lord die a horrific death. Can imagine the impact that it would have on everyone as individuals. But Thomas wasn't with them on that first day of the week. It's a great reminder of uh, the importance of being with the body of Christ. One, you never know what you might miss out on if you're not there. That's why the author of Hebrews said, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, so much so as you see the day approaching. And there are online communities, and I believe those are great, but I think being in person is still better. And I think we need to come together because Hebrews 10.24 says, to stir up love and good works, to stir up. We have a duty to one another to be about our Lord's business, first within the church, stirring up love and good works within the body of Christ, but then also exhorting one another as we see the day of the Lord's return approaching. So Thomas, needless to say, he wasn't there. He had the spirit of unbelief. They testified to Thomas, we've seen the Lord. Can you imagine? Thomas is one of 11 disciples now. They were called apostles at this point as well. But one of 11, we know Judas had hung himself at this point. But can you imagine for eight days, his 10 brothers were testifying to seeing Jesus. And I bet that they were a bit happy about it. I bet they were smiling. I bet they were excited. And Thomas, he said, unless I see the nail prints put my fingers into those prints, put my hand into his side. That's pretty extreme. But Thomas, and I have to think, all of the disciples, all the believers of that day, they were accustomed to seeing Roman crucifixion, the cruelty of it. It'd be hard to get that wiped out of your mind. They were acquainted with the horrors of crucifixion. Thomas had seen the horrific death of Jesus and for a while, it took a toll on his faith. But Hebrews eleven six tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Thomas refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, even though his fellow disciples had testified to this truth. And how odd it must have been for Thomas to see their joy. But he was stubborn, declaring, unless I, I not only see his nail-scarred hands, I want to touch him. I want to thrust my hand into his side. 
A little gross to think about, but that's what he said. Remember, it was Lazarus. After he had died and Jesus wanted to go to him, it was Thomas who had said in John eleven sixteen, let us go that we may die with him. Now, it could have been that Thomas, again, just had this attitude. It's like, if Jesus is going to go that and get killed, let's go with him. We followed him for the last three years. Might as well continue till the end. But, you know, again, it was Thomas who we may view as a pessimist, always looking at the negative side of things. I'm very grateful for the question that he asked Jesus in John 14, verses 5 and 6. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going or how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So yes, Thomas gets a bad rap, but I know at least one portion in Scripture where Thomas asked a very good question to Jesus that to this day we quote Jesus' response to people when we are sharing our faith with them. That Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Well, seeing is believing, verses 26 through 29, we've already read this. After eight days, Jesus appeared once again in the room behind shut doors. Doesn't say locked this time, but the doors were shut. And he said again the third time, peace to you. So again, Jesus just reminding them of that peace that he had promised them. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Well, this reminds us of a couple of things initially, that Jesus, though he wasn't physically present with them, he knew what Thomas had said. Right away, he directed his attention to Thomas. Thomas, if you have to, if you must, here's the nail prints in my hands. Here's my side. Go ahead, thrust your hand in if you must. Thomas didn't have to. I'm glad. John didn't tell us he did. What he did do, I think, is great for us to understand and Jesus went on to say, do not be unbelieving, but believe. And Thomas responded, my Lord, my God. You know, for Thomas, it was seen as believing. He had to see. But when he believed, he not only confessed Jesus as Lord, he confessed Jesus as God. This is a great proof text in the Bible concerning Jesus and his deity. He confessed him not only as his Lord, but also as God. At that moment, his spiritual eyes were opened and he saw Jesus. For Peter, for the other disciples, for Thomas even, it was seen as believing. Remember, when Mary Magdalene came back and said, I saw the Lord, he told me to tell you that he was going to Galilee to meet you with you there. Mark tells us that they did not believe her. In reality, they were all doubters in the beginning. For them, seeing was believing, but for us today, believing is seeing. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, it tells us, Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of joy, receiving in the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. Uh, like Thomas, there continues to be people who are stubborn about believing in Jesus. They continue to get tripped up by the death of Jesus because since the creation of mankind, we all die. 
And yet Jesus, though he died, he rose again from the grave. And as for the call of Jesus, we find that in matters of faith, sometimes believing is seeing. And although it took Thomas eight days to believe that Jesus had resurrected from the grave, the important thing is that he did believe. And sometimes it takes some of us a little longer than others to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Statistically, they're old statistics now, and I think they're probably getting worse than better, but a few years back, most people come to faith in Jesus Christ, do so before the age of 14. And then once you hit past the age of 18, the percentage is almost slim to none every year that goes by. And there are some who, well, they do the deathbed confession. And I'm glad they do. Think how much better it'd be if we come to faith early in our lives. Think how much better it'd be to not carry, we're going to get baggage in this world. We're going to have stuff happen in our world that's going to hurt us and hinder us and impact our lives. It could be relations with others. It could be health issues that we go through. But how much better to build a strong foundation of faith early in your life that you can stand upon than to wait until later on. And in some people's mindset, even as young men or women today, they might be thinking, let me get my life established first. And then I'll get the whole religion thing established. I'll get about that later. I would say that get about faith in Jesus now. And then he'll help you establish. Remember, take that step with Christ today. And he'll come alongside to help you take the next step in your life. And finally, the testimony of Jesus. Verses 30 and 31. Now, this is John saying this, but he's talking about Jesus. So... It goes with our theme. Truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have faith in his name. In chapter 21, John would go along and kind of add on to this, saying that I suppose if everything was written about what Jesus had done, he said, I suppose not all the books in the world could contain everything that Jesus had accomplished up to that point. We're still writing books about Jesus to this day. But John's testimony concerning Jesus, it's interesting. We've been going through the Gospel of John here in 2018. We're nearly done. One more chapter after today. But we've seen in the Gospel of John that there were seven feasts that John wrote about. There were seven miracles. There were the seven I am statements of Christ and also seven of Jesus's discourses that he records for us. And perhaps John used this theme of seven because it's a number of perfection in scripture, but to reinforce to his readers that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John lets us know that there were many other signs that Jesus had done, but these were written. And so John saw these seven signs as enough, sufficient enough to win someone to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to just do a quick rehearsing of the seven. Back in chapter two, verses one through 11, we find the first miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. And the turning of water into wine was the beginning of Jesus's signs. And this miracle teaches us that Jesus has 
power over the elements, but also I believe it teaches us the importance of our obedience to do whatever Jesus commands us to do. It also helps us see that his work, the church, is likened to new wine that could not fit in the old system of Judaism. This new wine represents a new superior way of salvation that God was going to introduce to the Jewish people, to all the people in the world, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The second miracle John records in John 4, 46 through 54, is the healing of a nobleman's son. And this, the miracle of turning water into wine, happened in Cana of Galilee. Uh, the beginning of this miracle also happened in Cana of Galilee, but the in location was somewhere else about 20 to 25 miles away at Capernaum. A nobleman traveled to Cana hearing of the miracles of Jesus because his son was sick and dying. And he came to Jesus pleading that he would come, that his son might live. And Jesus simply said, go, be on your way, your son lives. So this miracle shows us that for Jesus, location doesn't matter. In our mindset, we might get a picture of, of what something might look like or should look like. I remember many years ago out at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, I was working in the office and a man came in wanting to be baptized and uh, there was a baptism coming up and he had some questions and he told me later on, and I had the privilege of baptizing this man and his sister later on that year, but he told me later on, when I came to the office, I was expecting someone older than you. At the time, I was 32. I had a ponytail. He's probably expecting someone more religious looking than me. But he got me. And I just walked him right outside, sat down and began talking with him. Sometimes we get in our mind what things might should look like. This nobleman had traveled 20 to 25 miles he had thought, I'll go fetch Jesus. Jesus will come back, lay hands on my son. He'll live. All Jesus said was, your son lives. Now go. Now, here is a lesson that we learned, that the father had to step out in faith. Imagine, for 24 hours, the Bible tells us, he had to just believe the words of Jesus. It was 24 hours later that his servants found him, met him halfway, it would appear, and said, your son lives. And then they inquired about the timing of the things, and they realized it was the moment that Jesus said, your son lives. All he had to do is walk in faith to discover that the word of Jesus, location, it really doesn't matter. The Lord can speak it and it will be done. The third miracle, the healing of a man with 38-year infirmity, it's found in chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. And this miracle reinforces the importance of obedience again to Jesus' command. And Jesus, when he had first asked the man if he wanted to be made whole, this is the man who was by the pool of Bethsaida, he asked him if he wanted to be made whole. All the man did was offer excuses. But it was through obedience that he was made whole. Also, this miracle became a turning point in the ministry of Jesus because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day. From that point on, it tells us that they sought to kill Jesus. 
The fourth miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. Again, Jesus has power over the elements. He can cause water to turn into wine. He can take bread and multiply it, fish and multiply it. But here's some bullet points that we took from that message about the significance of this one miracle that was repeated in all four Gospels. This one was found in all four Gospels. The first point that I pointed out when we taught through this chapter, in our own strength, we are always insufficient to meet the needs of others. Secondly, the process of doing ministry. John tells us that Jesus broke the bread, gave thanks to it, and gave it to his disciples. And so I summarize this point. We must first receive from Jesus the bread of life before we can minister to others. Third, in all that we do, we must give glory to God. And fourth, only Jesus can satisfy a person's soul. So our method of doing ministry, we must first receive from Jesus in order to serve others. Number five, again, we find this in all four Gospels, but Jesus walking on water, chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. Again, Jesus has power over the elements, not only walked on water, which, has anybody ever tried it? Doesn't work. Not for me. It almost worked for Peter, got his eyes off of Jesus. But also he calmed the seas. He was on uh, two situations with Jesus coming to the disciples on the water, one in the midst of a storm. But uh, not only did he say, peace be still to our hearts, but he can say it to the waters and the storms as well. But we find that here Jesus will often speak something into our hearts to see if we will obey Jesus had, uh, because of the feeding of the 5,000, John tells us the next day the people showed up, wanted to make Jesus king. Jesus had made his disciples get into the boat, told them to go to the other side. And while Jesus dismissed the crowd, it was a matter of obedience. Were the disciples going to be obedient to the Lord's command to go to the other side? Or were they going to uh, disobey? And they were there straining at the oars while trying to obey. And at times it may feel like we've been abandoned by Jesus, uh, leaving us on our own. But during these times, you know, the Lord could simply be testing us, testing our faith, the spiritual muscle that he has developed in us and to see if we're going to remain faithful to his call for the disciples. I'll meet you on the other side. That's all they had to do is get to the other side. But we're to take comfort in knowing that Jesus watches over us and he will come, even if it might be at the fourth watch of the night. Miracle number six, healing of a man born blind, verse chapter nine, verses one through 12. This is the only account of Jesus healing someone who is born blind, blind from birth. And remember, the disciples asked, Master, who sinned, this man's parents or the man that he was born blind and Jesus responded that neither the man's blindness was in order that God should be revealed in him that the works of God should be revealed in him and this reminds us that God can use our disabilities for his glory once again obedience to the command of Jesus was key in this miracle as Jesus had taken and made some dirt by spitting on the ground anointing the eyes of this man, telling him to go to a specific pool 
to wash that he might see again. It could have been that the man would have went to another pool to wash. It takes complete obedience to truly walk in faith with Jesus. And finally, the seventh miracle, the raising of Lazarus, John 11, the whole chapter. We find in this final miracle that John shares, it reveals Jesus' power over the grave. Jesus saying to Martha in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he will live. And although Lazarus at this point was merely set free from the bondage of his grave clothes, I'd mentioned when we taught through chapter 11, this is a great picture of the work of Jesus who frees us from the bondage of sin. It reminds us of John 8, 36. If the Son of Man sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And it's only Jesus who can set us free from the bondage of sin. So the testimony of Jesus through John's gospel was given that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.